Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. The book of Ezra chapter one and verse one. Are you ready? Now the first year, Cyrus, king of Persia, at the word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing. Let's go ahead and read verse 2. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, New King James, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among all, who is among you of all his people. May his God be with him, and let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of God of Israel. He is God which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the man of his place help him with silver, gold, with goods and livestock besides freewill offerings for the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. I want you to go now to chapter 3, please. And find verse 8. Now in the second month, of the second year of their coming to the house of God of Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shantiel, Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the rest of their brethren, and the priests and the Levites, and all who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem began to work and appointed Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Go to verse 12. Mm, pardon me. Verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites and the sons of Esaph, the symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of the David, David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Let's all read this together. For he is good, for his mercy endures. Amen. Let's try it one more time. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of their father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of the temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so that all the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy and the noise of weeping of the people. For all the people shouted aloud, and the sound was heard afar off. Go to chapter 4. A little bit of scripture in your hearing this morning. And the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in the building. Go to chapter 5. And the prophet Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Verse 2, chapter 5, Ezra 5, verse 2. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shentiel, and Jeshua the son of Jehozadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. The prophets of God were with them, helping them. Last verse, verses of Scripture in chapter 6, please. Chapter 6 of the book of Ezra, and find verse 14. So the elders and the Jews built, and they prophesied, pardon me, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. And they built and finished it. Everybody say they finished it. They finished it. According to the commandment of the God of Israel, according to the command of Cyrus, the king of Persia. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done in this house over 42 some odd years of the ministry of King's Cathedral and Chapels here and in the far-flung corners of the world. I thank you for your word this morning that's going to burn like fire in the hearts of each and every person here. I pray that you would touch us in such a way that the effects of this service would be far-reaching, even to eternity, the changing of lives, even to the generations that are to come, should you tarry. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will yet do. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've called the message, The Great Challenge. Years ago, pastoring on the island of Molokai, we started what was called the Great Challenge. Actually, in actual fact, I think it was started before that, but it was when pastors from extensions would get together. An extension is just that, an extension of the main house, which has been historically Maui for all these years, but there are other centers of revival that are rising as we've grown since then, some 25 years ago since I was in Molokai, and we had this great challenge, and what it was is the pastors of the extensions would get together, and we'd compete to try to reach as many people as we could. We're, that's what we're into. We're reaching the lost. Come on, somebody say we're reaching the lost. We're reaching the lost at any cost, and we would reach people, how many life groups we could. We would challenge each other, and I'm, I like challenges. Um, I don't always like them, but I like what they do for me. I remember being in sports and playing the championship game as a senior. I was a lacrosse player. I was an attackman on my high school team. We were playing the tri-state Connecticut, Massachusetts, and uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York. Tri-state championship. And I was starting that game. I was an attackman. And I'll never forget my coach pulling me aside, which I thought he was just pulling me aside, but he pulled like six or seven other guys aside as well. It's not only did we have the, not only did we have the, you know, the pregame pump, you know, pump up, come on, you can do it in the challenge. But I remember he pulled me aside and said, Bracken, that's what they would call me, Bracken. So, Bracken, release the Bracken, Bracken. Bracken, you can do it. This is your season. This is your last game of your senior year. You're going to have a championship year. This is it. You're going you're gonna to be more points on. I mean, he just, challenged me. I went into that game just like, ah! Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever been like challenged and you're just like, let's go! Sorry. Just spit on you. Sorry about that. Life's full of challenges and, and scripture's full of challenges. And you know, challenges are great because, well, we discover that we can do more than we think we can. I want you to say that. Say, I can do more than I think I can. Without being challenged, really. I mean, David was challenged with Goliath. You look through Scripture, you'll see all of these challenges, and you'll see men of God that rose completely incapable physically. They didn't have shama. How do you fight 20 men, one guy with one sword? How do you do the things that God calls you to do? They're impossible in the natural, but he challenges you to do it. And then he comes upon you with power and gives you what you need to fulfill the call, to, 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 to see the challenge overcome, to walk in victory. You know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. God calls us to do things that are beyond our ability. What we read is just really a few snapshots of the rebuilding of the temple. And you can read in some other scriptures, 2 Chronicles 36 talks about it. Um, Jeremiah 25, 11 is this prophetic word that comes from Jeremiah and how there's going to be the king of Babylon and there would go off and be in Captivity for 70 years, verse 11, Jeremiah 25, 11. Jeremiah 29, many of you know that. It's on a lot of coffee mugs. It's all over. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Come on, say to your, say to your neighbor, come on, God's got plans for you. Say it. Say to your other neighbor, say it's good plans. It's going to give you peace. It's going to help you. Come on, God's going to help you. Say that God's going to help me. It had to be a difficult thing to be brought into captivity. Can you imagine? Ezekiel knew what it was like in his 30th year by the river. Supposed to be in the priesthood, but he's in captivity because of the sins of a previous generation and their own sins as well. He knew what it was like. Painful, difficult. And yet God visited him. Jeremiah 29, I will visit you and bring you back to this place. The captivity of Israel starts in 605 BC for all of you historians. It's a long time ago. The foundation of the temple is, is started uh, and laid in 536 BC. That's 70 years after, exactly 70 years. Jeremiah prophesied 70 years. You know, we have, we have documents and ancient archaeological finds that, that prove all of these things. You're not reading some mythological book, Aesop's Fables. This is, this is the Bible. It's, and when you study it out, you'll, your faith will explode because there's no way that man put it together. Oh, man was moved under the inspiration of the Spirit. And then Isaiah chapter 44, if you go and look at that, it talks about this guy Cyrus. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? It's 150 years before Cyrus was born. What? Yeah. Isaiah prophesied that there would come this one Cyrus and he would be the deliverer. That's amazing. It's before they go into captivities. Chapter 44, verse 28. He is my shepherd, and he shall perform my good pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built. Now hold on. Jerusalem's not even destroyed yet. The temple's still intact. He prophesies the very answer in the midst of their challenge, and it comes to pass. So Cyrus gives this decree. Some say, some scholars say, and it's a little hazy, because like I said, it's a long time ago. Some scholars say, that Cyrus was showed, shown the scrolls of Isaiah. And from that actually determined a battle plan to destroy and bring down a city that was considered impregnable. Impenet impenetrable? That'll work. Walls that you could have chariot races on. And you can go and look and see, you know, about I'll dry up the river and all these different things. It's like a game plan that's in Isaiah, and some say that that's where Cyrus got the, the strategy to defeat Babylon. Kind of amazing. We don't know that for sure, but it certainly matches up. And so Cyrus gives a decree, and they return, and they, upon their return, they build this foundation. They put the foundation in upon their return. And the building of the temple is delayed. It takes a while, way more than seven years, by the way. What do you mean seven years? Since we first moved dirt, it's been seven years since we started our building project. Well, how long is it for them? 21. I've got good news this morning. It is not going to take 21 years. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You're like, what are you talking about? The building at the entrance to our city, that's our new building, our new facility, which we will move into shortly. But it was delayed. Well, why was it delayed, Pastor? Because. Because the Jews had enemies. The, Jew, the Samaritans delayed the project. And it's actually uh, the same strategy that Samaritans use, the same strategy that, that the devil uses for a millennium. Over and over and over, he does the same thing in different places. He doesn't have any new tricks. And you can see in Scripture how, how it's... How it's shown. You said, why, why would you even talk about that? So that you could be aware of it when it comes to your house. You're like, oh, this is this, the enemy. How many of you know that God didn't put sickness on you to teach you something? And if you think that, it's only because you've not really learned about the goodness of God and the word. He doesn't, where would he get it from? No, he's a healer. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. And so... The enemy of the Jews, the Samaritans, they delayed the project. They wanted the Jews to compromise 
and corrupt their worship to God. And I will say in application, many are compromising their faith. There's a whole group of churches that have gone apostate. They've turned from the precepts of Scripture, ordaining that which should not be ordained. There's compromise all over. Come on, someone say, I'm not going to compromise. No, and we're not going to compromise here either. And the, the Samaritans, the enemies of the Jews, deployed discouragement, fear, and frustration to stop them. They did everything. Does this sound familiar? Because it's the same thing that you will go through when you're attempting to do something, when you've been challenged to obey God to do something that's far beyond your ability, you will always face a temptation to compromise or cut a corner. You'll always face an assignment of discouragement can come like a demon spirit discouragement. You have to fight that thing. I was talking to one of my pastors yesterday. I said, brother, three quarters of the battle is stay encouraged and filled with joy. Three quarters of the battle, just stay Stay on fire. If you don't lose, come on, if you get discouraged, you just make everybody want to quit all around you. It can get on you. Discouragement, fear. Fear, they use these tactics to delay the project. Fear, fear, fear can get on you. Uh, Dr. Morocco, our senior global pastor says this, fear is like, uh, what a, it's like what demons spray. It's like a skunk, the skunk spray stink. Demons kind of spray fear. I remember going at Swinging Bridges or Twin, Twin Falls in Haiku, Maui, many years ago. I've told the story. I was going to float on a, on a little sponge board, not a sponge bob, a sponge board, through a tunnel. It was a long tunnel. It went through this hill, not a mountain. I used to call it a mountain, then I saw a real mountain, so this is a hill. But... You know, you had, to, you had to figure it out. I threw a stick in on one side, ran all the way, maybe a quarter, of a, a quarter of a mile or so to the other side, and I waited, I waited, I waited. Finally, the stick came out. I thought, okay, let's go. So I got on, a, on one of these boogie boards with this 17-year-old kid. I think it was in my 20s. He wanted to float with me, so we start floating. We get about halfway. It's pitch black. You can't see the end. You can't see where you came from. There's, there's all kinds of spider webs in our face. And he says to me, we're going to die. I said, we're not going to die. He said, yeah, we are. I said, no, stop, we're not. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I hope we don't die. You know, I, I've seen some of these things, you know, they go through the mountain, they come out a pipe. You know, you, you just wonder if you're going to get siphoned into like a, you know, and shoved into a little funnel and killed and block all the water. So I'm thinking, no. And we just keep going. But you still can't see the end. And he's like, we're not going to make it. And it seems like it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And soon he loses his mind. And he's like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And I got fear on me. So I got so terrified. Finally, I realized, it's him. Shut up. I grabbed him and just slapped him. Shut up. We are not going to die. Okay. And we made it to the other side. Fear can get on you. Fear can get on you. You got to bad company corrupts good character. Be very careful who you hang out with. You hang out with yellow belly sap suckers. I mean, which we all used to be. Be filled with courage. Fear can get on you, and that's what they try to do: discouragement, fear, frustration. They did everything they could. Does this sound familiar? Because it's exactly what you go through when you're trying to do something for God. The Jews were victorious over their enemy by the hearing and responding to the word of God preached through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. You look at Ezra 6 and 14, we talked about that. They, they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah. The word challenged them to persevere, challenged them to no, never quit. Come on, Winston Churchill said, never, never Never give up. Somehow within my spiritual DNA, I have that. And you know what I've found? I've found Alaskans are like that. I've found Alaskans are stiffer, sterner, and, and tougher than normal people. Something about our environment, perhaps. There's a stick-to-itiveness and a tenaciousness 
tenacity, I should say, that does not quit, does not let up. I'm not leaving. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to chop the tree. I'm going to carry water. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. God called me here. Bless God. I'm going to carve my way out of this wilderness in Jesus' name. I remember going to this men's camp and, and this Assembly of God men's camp, and there was this guy who talked about this bear attack that he had, and he killed it with a buck knife. I don't mean like a big, I like a little folding buck knife. And they had the knife in a case with all the hair and all the blood all over it. He, I won't tell you the details of it, but he killed a bear with a, a buck knife. He was almost dead and he's leaning against a tree. He had, he had gotten the bear a couple of times and he leaned on the tree and he realized, I'm gonna die. And the Lord said, I was with David when he killed the lion and the bear and I'm with you. And he just said, let's go! Uh, uh, uh. I'm not gonna do that again. That was a little scary. <laughs> and the bear got dropped. And he was there telling the story about it. The word challenged the Jews, and we have been challenged also. We've been challenged to do something that is far beyond our natural ability, and we have, by the grace of God, made it thus far. It calls them to be victorious. My, my, my. I love verse 13 of Haggai. I believe it's chapter 2. And Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. The Lord spoke that to me this morning. He said, I'm with you. Come on, someone say, God's with me. You know, if he's with you, you can do anything. Of course, that prophetic word over our building, over our church, over, really, it's not about a building, it's about souls, but... Zechariah 4 and 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is the context of which that prophetic word was spoken. It was spoken in the context of all kinds of warfare, all kinds of delay, all kinds of difficulty, but a decree from Cyrus, which was really a decree from God. You will build it. You will do it. I will provide. And then you have all of this obstacle, all of this discouragement, all of this fear, all of this delay, all of these things that happen. Consider it not strange, my beloved brethren, that you face all kind of fiery trials. God is working something on the inside of you, on the inside of me, on the inside of us to do something that's never been done before. And it requires grit. It requires spiritual fortitude. It requires faith to answer the challenge, the great challenge. God's speaking to us this morning. God has appointed, I, I, I had got the privilege of preaching to the youth on Friday night and talked and spoke to them a message from John 15. And John 15 says that I've appointed you. I've selected you is another way to say that. I've appointed you to go and bear forth fruit. Appointed. We have government officials that have been appointed. I want to tell you that you have been appointed. You have been selected. You have been chosen to be alive at this time in history for his plan and for his purpose. Come on, God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And he's the one that ordained it. He's the one that called you. I was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God at the conference, the very last night of the conference, because we face challenges that I'll let you know about here in just a minute. We face challenges that I just didn't know how we're going to get through. What else is new? I didn't know how we're going to get through any of it, but God brings us through over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm standing there with my lovely wife and the power of the Holy Spirit all over us. And I had, I had great courage in that moment, but I still had a, a whisper of some questions. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, son, go back to the seat that you first came into this house with, at. I got saved at this church in Maui a long time ago. So I know what he told me to go. How many of you remember the first place you sat when you first came in here? It was like that. And so I went and I stood there and he said, you know, just worship me. And I worshiped and I heard the Lord say, who brought you here, son? I said, oh, you did for sure. You brought me here. He says, that's right. Go to the next place you were sitting in. 
I was in that first seat for probably, I don't know, seven years. Went to the next seat, and I was there for another couple of other years after that. And then soon I was sent out and became a pastor. I'm sitting in that corner seat, which is the second set of seats, the seat where I worshipped when our, our baby had gone to heaven. We had a child that lived for 15 minutes and passed and went straight to glory. Went through a lot of challenges, went through all kinds of obstacles and all kinds of miracles. I mean, I could tell the rest of the service testimony after testimony of God's provision, God's healing, God's breakthrough over and over and over while I was sitting just in that one seat. Do you know what I'm talking about? And as I sat there, I just heard the Lord said, I have brought you here. I have done it and I am doing it. So do not fear. And I just, it all rolled off of me. It's been an ongoing battle, and any time you face something that's impossible for you to do, like if you could do it, like, great. You know, it's within the realm of your natural ability. But when God calls you to do something that's totally beyond anything you can do in the natural, you need God. And the funny thing about God is he gives vision that requires more than you, requires a team, and then even then, it's beyond our ability. And if we could do it all by ourselves, he wouldn't have to help us, would he? We have a God-sized vision, and he's caused us to be alive at this time. The God of all time selected you and appointed you and me to be here right now, today. We're to co-labor with God to build his house, which is called the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We're, we're his co-workers. Verse 6 of, second, of chapter 6, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you to not receive the grace of God in vain. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And the crazy thing about it is he chooses you and me to do it. He actually partners with the likes of you and me. Is there anybody else that's amazed by that? I'm amazed by that. I was praying this morning, just feeling the joy of the Lord, worshiping, praying. And I said, oh God, I ought to pick somebody else. But somehow you picked us, God. Wow, you really are awesome. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. He chose you. He picked you. He selected you. He appointed you. You might have wanted to pick somebody else, but God, when God works through somebody who's supernaturally like, when God works through somebody who's just totally awesome, that's really something. But when God works through somebody who's not many wise, he chooses the foolish things of the world to confine the wise. When God works through somebody like you and me, and I, I'm not calling you names, but, but I, I know where I came from. I know where I'm at without God. It's not good. It's not pretty. It's ugly. We're in a battle. The reason it took so long for, it, for the Jews, 21 years, it's not 21 years for us. It's only seven. Why has it taken so long? Battle. War. Bump your neighbor and say you're in a battle. And there's a battle. There's a, there's a battle against the move of the Spirit. There's a battle against the not to compromise. There's an ongoing battle. I talk with my pastor friends who are constantly pressured by don't preach against homosexuality. Don't say anything about abortion. We're not going to talk about abortion. Not in this church. Oh, no, in this church we will. I'm just saying, rhetorically, like, you hear this, you hear this pressure that comes from boards. Board-driven, board-run churches. Deacon-run. Deaconized churches. That's demonized or deaconized. I don't have anybody pointing to me to tell me what I can and can't preach except a Dr. Morocco who wants me to preach to full counsel of the Word of God, have revival. He's not nervous and neither am I. But there is a pressure from the enemy to compromise the message. Not everybody's saved. Not everybody's God's child. 
You guys are looking scary over here. I'm going to come by Pastor Alex and get some comfort over here. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible says in the book of John, to as many as believed on him, he gave them the right, exousia, power, authority. He gave them the right to become children of God. In other words, without receiving him, without repenting of your sin, without believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cruel Roman cross and rose again three days from the grave in accordance with scripture, without believing on him in your heart, confessing with your mouth and repenting, asking God to forgive you for all of your wrongs, then you are, no, you are not a child of God. That's not a popular message. Pick up your cross. That's not popular. You know what that means? It means die to yourself. Die to your agenda. Live for God. Now, it, it, it's really an oxymoron because when you do that, you get life and life to the full. You get joy, unspeakable and full of glory. When you live for him with all your heart and you repent of your sin and you live for God, he'll flood you with power and authority and you'll find yourself walking in purpose and destiny. But aside from that, you'll be, you'll be just like looking for crumbs. You'll be living a life that's painful without purpose and selfish. We're so selfish. We've got to keep our heart right in your notes. We've got to keep our heart set on what God's called us to do. What's it God's called us to do? He's called us to reach the lost. He's called us to do, Matthew 28, the great commission, which is in many places a great omission. The great commission, we're supposed to go into all the nations. We're supposed to disciple nations. We're supposed to reach the lost. Well, I hope the church is doing it. You're the church. How are you doing? <laughs> are you reaching your neighbor? You got to keep our heart on what God's called us to do. I, I've mentioned it on my daily program, Monday through Saturday, that is, called ETS. It's at 1230 Alaska time. I've mentioned, I've been reading this book for university called Peace Child, Peace Child by Don Richardson. Don Richardson came and preached to my wife and I on December 10th, 1995. He also wrote a book. He preached uh, a message that impacted us so greatly. He also wrote a book called Eternating Their Hearts. I would highly advise you read it. Read both of them. The Peace Child book recounts his story of his missionary journey as a young man in his 20s, I believe, with his wife and a child called to New Guinea to headhunters and cannibals. They didn't know the language, nobody knew the language. It was, a, it was a forgotten tribe, basically, and they went up this Kronkel River, as it's called, it's filled with alligators, and it's their, it, it, call, it recounts their story of how God called them there. I can't help, but when I read that, I, I can't help but think to myself, what is wrong with the church? And, then, and, the, and the Lord's like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't know. No, examine your life because, like, you know, we're bent out of shape when the batteries of our remote controls go out and, and your lazy boy chair is stuck. Who, who, who is sitting in my lazy boy? Who is sitting in my chair? My God. I, you know that's my chair and that's where I sit. And, and where is the remote? You lose your ever-loving mind because you can't watch that defiled movie on Netflix because somebody took your remote. When a bygone generation, and he's passed now in, in uh, 2018, he passed. They didn't know how to reach him. They brought medicine. They brought steel. It was a Stone Age culture in the 1960s. They brought the gospel but couldn't even communicate to them. They would kill each other for sport. The highest, the highest... Uh, honored thing was treachery. They worshiped treachery. When they, when they started understanding, they worked all the, the language out, they started hearing, you know, the story of Jesus and Judas. When, when they shared about Judas, they're like, yes! What an awesome dude, Judas. Because that was their highest morality, was to treachery. They would do a thing called fattening for friendship. So you get to know somebody. Can you imagine you get to know somebody for a while, a few months, you come over, they come over, and then everybody surrounds you and eats you. Oh yeah, go read the book. Except for this one thing in the culture that he discovered. And it's called the peace child. And the peace child is when there's two tribes that are warring and treachery and all the different things. The only thing that can bring peace, 
that if one of the people of one tribe takes their own child, a baby, and gives it to one of the other people of the other village to raise, that brings peace for the entire culture of those two tribes as long as that baby's alive. And it's called a peace child. And when he discovered that, he used this redemptive analogy to bring and talk about the child. Jesus, who was born in a manger, who, who walked the earth for 33 and a half years, and how he gave up his life for all tribes. And a great revival ensued and swept through the tribes and all the way up these rivers and still continues to this day. And I can't help myself I'm reading these stories of where he's got his 18-month-old baby. They had a child out there in this dugout canoe in this river. And the whole thing flips. Alligators are coming after them. They're going to lose everything. His wife, his baby, and God miraculously saves him. And you're worried about your lazy boy chair. Worried about 5 and $6 for gasoline. Oh, we have a much greater concern on our hands in the great Northland. You know what it is? It's for the lost. It's for the broken. It's for the babies in wombs that can't speak for themselves. It's to stand and to declare righteousness and truth. Don't ever lose track of why we're here. We're not here so that you could line your pockets and end up with nice clothes and smooth smooth knees and paneled houses and just say, well, praise the Lord. God loves me while everybody goes to hell. That is not why we're here. Come on, say amen. amen. And we must continually remind ourselves or recall, bring to remembrance what God has done. And that's what the, that's what the, that's what the Jews did. And that's what all, listen, spiritual amnesia is a recipe for disaster. Remember how he saved you. That's what God did to me. He said, go back to the seat where you first sat in. I went there. He said, who brought you here? You did. And I started faith. Boof, faith burst in my heart. Go to the next place. Who brought you through that difficulty of the pain of your son? Death of your son. Who brought you through the difficulty of all those challenges and all those problems and all those impossibilities and financial deals? And who helped you? Who gave you your wife? I mean, I could just go on and on and on. When I think about what God's done for me, I can't hardly keep it together. I was lost. I was broken. I was hurting. He came and he snatched me like a stick from the fire. He came and he delivered me with a strong hand. And he continues to do the same thing today. When I think about our building project, we couldn't get any financing. The banks wouldn't back us. They only give up to $5 million. That's not enough. They, they'd say, but they, we, they couldn't. We, we had people that weren't too happy about the fact the building's too big. Who said? Who are you? And an actual fact, so that you all know, we didn't plan to build a big building so we could like, look at the building we built. We built according to our growth and actual fact. It's not too small. It's perfect. Someone say amen. It's not a 5,000 seat auditorium. I would think that would be pride filled. It's 1,500 seats. We'll fill it when we move in. I said, we'll fill it now. We'll have to go to multiple services. They've got some room for growth and youth in the area. It's a facility that'll last us for generations should the Lord tarry. There's always obstacles. And I think back about how God gave us faith and we started. We started. God brought you. I pray you have to talk to Jesus when you get there. It's been a very challenging project. More so than you. you some of you don't have a clue. Why not? Because if we didn't tell you. Why? Because you'd probably freak out. You'd probably lose your mind. And be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm going somewhere else. I'm not going to that church. <laughs> but here we are, over and over and over. You know, the walk of faith can be challenging. How do you, how do you walk in faith for 20-something years waiting for your Isaac? Like, how do you do that? You build an altar. You bring all your fears to God. You bring all your discouragement to God. You keep calling out to God. God, you said, okay, I see the stars. Uh, she's still barren. Can you touch Sarah? Lord, seriously, I've got no air. On and on and on. Vision, 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 miracle, miracle. And when the fullness of time had come, he brought forth Isaac. It's a type of Christ. I was supposed to be the project manager for the job. 
Lori's like, oh, thank God you weren't. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the vote of confidence. But it's absolutely true. The Lord had me do an illustration of building a chicken coop. And some of you heard this before. I built a chicken coop. It's the most twisted thing you've ever seen. Twisted. I couldn't finish it. And I had some guy, contractor in our church, say, hey, pastor, how's your coop? I'm like, oh. He's like, you need help? I'm like, yeah. It came over and he looked at it and he laughed. He got out of his truck and said, oh, I, I got to go get my lasers and stuff. I got to, this thing going to work. And during that time, the Lord spoke to me and said, you can't do both. You can't build my house and, and build leaders and build people. You can't do both. I said, well, then what are you going to do? So I'm going to send you somebody. I said, okay. Dr. Morocco said, you're going to learn how, you're going to have to learn how to manage. I said, no, sorry, Pastor, I don't usually say no, but like, seriously, I got a word from the Lord because I, 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 hello, I can't make a chicken coop. So he said, well, you better pray. We did. And, and one day, you beautiful people rolled in here. And I remember that day. And I'm so grateful for you. And over the course of time, we didn't have the money, but then we got some and we got started and we moved by faith. And then the steel prices were exploding and we couldn't purchase our steel package. Do you know that we couldn't in the natural, well, that was all supernatural. You gotta be careful saying this because really if God calls you to do something, he'll provide no matter what the prices of anything are. No matter what the prices of anything are, he will provide. But in this particular case, we got our steel at, at the year's prior price and three days before, did it double? It doubled, steel doubled, and it's all U.S. steel, by the way. None of that, none of that, amen. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Subcontractors that gave us $100,000 off of this and, and on and on, favor here, favor there, always God meeting us, God coming through, God coming through, COVID hit. You know, who plans to build during a global challenges many many challenges when we first got the property we made three million dollars from day one when we bought it but what many of you don't know why are you saying this because I'm reminding you of where we've come from some of you don't know the whole story and I'm only telling you little snippets stood on that property we had it a week before we had to come up with a million dollars and we were extended in all of our other locations. We had no money. We took a special offering, but you know, I think $20,000 came in towards a million. Well, that's a nice start, I suppose. You know, we had 10 years to raise it. I was grateful. I gave in that also. I stood there on the edge of that property and I, for a whole week, I felt like I was fighting devils from hell. And I, I actually know now I was. It felt that way. We have had opposition over and over and over. I stood there and I said, God, you're the one that gave this to us. Lord, you've got to do something. Do you know what happened? An, or, a, an organization, lending institution, Christian lending institution, wasn't going to lend us money. Send us, you, couldn't, you, can't, you can't do anything. We're not going to help you. Changed their mind. They called us back and said, you know what? We're going to lend you the money. We purchased a bit, the property with no money down for $1,057,000 and made $3,000,000 in one day. You ought to give a better amen to God for that. Don't ever forget what God's done. He brought us through over and over and over and over. These are just a fraction of the miracles. I could call on Wally and have him just recount them. We have a miracle board on the job. You know, I'm gonna share this story that um, I'm not sure, Wally, you know it either. We had moved to finish our funding of 23 million is what the project costs at the time. And we were gonna do it with bonds. You know what bonds are? We're gonna do it with church bonds. And we're all set. We needed this audit to happen. Then we would sell the bonds and we would, we'd sell bonds and receive finances. It was a great investment, it really was. And then we would, pay for it and finish, move in. That was the plan. So all we needed, everything was all set, except an audit. And when the audit started, they said it would take 90 days. 90 days turned to 180. Turned to over a year. And during the period of over a year, we were out of money. 
And on January 4th, when that, it was actually the week before that, this year, the week before that, I got the news from Dr. Morocco. We do not have the money we need. We have a real problem. You better pray. I'm like, no problem. We're going to start praying. I think we needed $7 million or something. I forget exactly the figures. It's all in the books. And on January 4th, I think it started on a Sunday. On January 4th, that wind hit. I think January 4th is a, month, is a Monday. I need to go look. You'll read it in the book when we write it. That wind hit and began to tear into our building. Unspeakable, crazy, demonic things happened that indicated to me in my mind, I didn't say it to everybody. I said, man, we're up against some. This is bigger than a normal devil. I had prophets call me from the other side of the country to tell me, you're up against a principality, Pastor. It's not just a normal. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ruling, a ruler over that area that wants to hinder what the Spirit of God wants to do. And that wind was blowing at its peak, and we lost, lost a building, and all the pipes froze. And I mean, it was such a difficult time crew staying up 24 hours going around the clock david pearson so many others crew from the church i went out front on the worst night with my son and i pointed into the wind and i with all the faith and fire and zeal i said you cannot stop what god started and i began to prophesy and then i went into it went out of that i went into like a depression I got home, oh, I'm talking heaviness like an elephant sat on you that's not gonna get up. I went home and I remember in my, in my entryway, putting my hands on my knees and praying in tongues. I don't know, it wasn't even five minutes and I got a breakthrough, boom, I had peace. You know, when you get peace, the storm's over. Oh, it was still blowing for four more days, but I had peace. Went to bed that night, slept in, missed morning prayer, thank you for Lighting the torch, Pastor Kirsten. Slept until nine, went to bed at 3 a.m., got up at nine, 9 a.m. And when I woke up, first thing, I, my eyes open, and the Lord says, don't talk to anybody. Don't talk to a soul. I want you alone with me for an hour and a half. That's what, I don't know what's about it, the hour and a half, but he said an hour and a half. I came downstairs, and my son says, Dad, did you hear? I said, ah! Pastor Karen's like, you're pretty rude this morning. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to go after what God told you to do and don't let up. I went and I prayed, had time in the Word. Power of God started coming on me. My daughter prophetically sends me a song. Sends me a song. Power of God comes on me as I'm hearing this song and I begin to weep. I knew I was crying real hard when I kind of came to and Pastor Karen's like, it's going to be okay. She's... <laughs> got her hands laid on me and she's whispering to me it's gonna be all right God's with us and the Lord spoke to me and said you can embrace what the reports are or you can embrace what I said I said I choose you God I choose you I got up and I said I just began to have my own personal revival and my phone rings it's Dr. Morocco he said Pastor Daniel I thought you could use some good news right now I said, yes, I could use some good news right now. He said, we're funded for the rest of, our, rest of the 23 million. And I thought, oh my God, yes! I, I, literally, I literally think that if I didn't give him the hour and a half and I didn't do what he called me to do, that it wouldn't happen. God's challenging us. You say, what is he challenging us with? He's challenging us today. With what? We do not, listen to me closely, you will not hear me. I've never done what I'm about to do. We don't have enough money and there is no more coming from any bank. You ought to just give them praise right now, come on. You gotta do better than that. When you hear news like that, you ought to just start shouting because if God brought you this far, he ain't gonna let you drown. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling you to a challenge. I'm calling you to a challenge and I'm going to lead the way with everything that I, I'm, I'm doing my, everything that I can do, I'm doing it. I'm challenging you today. And over the next few months, I'm challenging you today to what? I'm challenging you today to give. 
Put the figure up on my screen. That's what we need right there. 1,621,665 and 55 cents currently. There has been gas prices, inflation, all kinds of challenges. We have cut and slashed everything we possibly can. And that's the figure. You missed another great place to say amen. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. million six and change bringing us to close to 25 million dollar project good news one good once more good news that's good news good news also is that it's worth approximately god we should get if we got to reappraise now 47 million by wally's by wally's estimate we got it appraised over a year ago it's way higher than that you know over a year ago so approximately $47 million project. That's a good investment. Come on. But it's not about any of that. It's about souls. All right, back in your notes. The challenge stretches us by faith, stretches us in faith. And we get to personally see fulfillment. I, I already see it. I already see the fulfillment. Here's what I want to do. Ushers, help us out. Now, you see, if it's your first time here, we're really glad you're here. And um, if you're offended, just give us two or three more chances. But you'll look in the Bible and you will see over and over and over, God's people were challenged to do what they could do. And I'm gonna do what I can do. I'm doing the very best I can do. And, and so I'll get one of these cards. Ushers, quickly take a stack, hand it. I want everybody to have a card. So if I'm not giving today, okay, take a card, please. How many of you can pray? You can pray. Just take a stack, give it to them, let them pass it down. It says, on, it says Victory Sunday on one side. It's, it's two Sundays, but I'm just going to tell you, we need, we need that by mid-August, early August, I would say. Possibly by the end of August at the very latest, but 1.6. So it's a couple, it's a few months. And all I'm asking you to do is pray and then obey. That's what my wife and I are doing. On the back side, it says this, King's Alaska Project Zek giving card. You all there with me? All right, we're still, we're still passing the card out. We get to participate. It'll be a memorial before the generations. You can say, I did something there. love how the Holy Spirit led me to read this book, Peace Child. Nobody's asking you to give up your child like he did, like God did. Are you all there with me? Say amen. Every single person with a card, including all the youth, every single person have one. Join with this miracle right now. Join in the miracle right now. Read with me. By faith, I'm making the following giving goals towards a new building project. You said, well, I already made giving goals. I know, I make a new one. I need one point. We need $1.6 million. I'm challenging you. Many of you, many of you, many of you have sacrificed. Most of you have not. You tithe. I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to give because there's no way we can finish. We will not move in unless we raise that money. How's it gonna happen? I've got people already calling me. I've got Bob Rogers called me to, tell, to say this. You tell your people, with every person that participates, that there's an angel being released to them to help them. I called it an angel of wealth. I'm like, Pastor Bob showed me in Scripture before. Kind of crazy. I, I don't have an angel of wealth revelation, but I'm just telling you, Pastor Bob's for real. Pastor Bob Rogers, Louisville, Kentucky. All right. Giving goals towards a new building project. I'm giving a special victory offering of blank. Would you pray? If you know what you want to do today, write it in there. I'm also committing to give the amount of blank weekly, above and beyond regular ties. 
in the Project Zach offering. And then there's name, email, phone number, and the scripture that God gave us. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with my wife. And the reason I'm going to tell you is not to brag. It's certainly not bragging. The reason I'm going to tell you is the Lord spoke to me and said, if you don't model and sacrifice, how can you expect anybody else to do the same thing? It was years ago. And we've been endeavoring to do that. So a while ago, we refinanced our house and uh, we had a, a little nest egg put aside for a new kitchen. And the Lord spoke to my wife and I, give it. It really wasn't enough for the granite anyway, the quartz. So I'm sowing 20 grand this morning. That's, that's what I got. Now that now might not be a lot for you, but it's a lot for me. And the reason I would tell you what I'm sowing, what I'm giving, I'm giving 20 grand, all of it right now. And the reason we're doing that is to be like Barnabas who sold a piece of property. There's giving where you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Clearly, you gave somebody some money to help them because they didn't have enough to pay their bills. Do not tell everybody about that. But there's moments where you sell a property and you lay it at the apostles' feet and it released generosity. It was, it was in the book of Acts. You can go read it. You go, I don't know about that. Okay, well, go read it. That's what they did. And the, the, there was this wave of generosity. So I want to challenge you. You do your best. You do your best before God. And let's see this 1.6 raise in the next three months because we need to move in. What happens if we don't move in? We're moving in. What happens if it doesn't come in? It's coming in. How do you know? Because it's not my idea. I'm just trying to obey. Come on, somebody say amen. All right. Now, if you're not ready to do that, this weekend, you can do it next weekend. You do the weekend after. Nobody's going to follow you and hunt you down. We're not doing that. Your name's on there so we can just pray for you. It's not going to a, a list of, of Vito Sarducci to come over to your house with a baseball bat to collect your money. That's not happening. And I got a call. I'm weeping in the presence of God this morning. My phone rings. It's Dr. Morocco. He says, Pastor Daniel, are you ready? I said, yes, sir. I'm ready. He said, are you full of faith? I said, I'm full of faith, Pastor. He said, have you decided what you're going to do? I said, I have. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm giving my kitchen. He said, praise the Lord. The Lord told me to match you. So doctors matching my 20 grand this morning. It's going towards Alaska. And I thought, Pastor, you're awesome. You know, you'd never know what you could do unless you were stretched and driving to church this morning. I was overwhelmed with the fact that I'm saved. I got saved. Do you know how many people are broken? It's really nothing. It's really chump change. I'm like, oh, geez. Oh, well, no cabinets. I'm going to get the cabinets too. God's going to help me. It's not really a sacrifice. You know what's really sacrificing is? Hanging on a cross is real sacrifice. You know what sacrifice is? It's, it's burning at the stake. You know, what, you know what real sacrifice is? Maybe what the Richardsons did in a dugout with an 18-year-old falling into a river where people just wanted to kill you all day long. Oh, all we got to do is come up with 1.6. It's, uh, um, I, I think it's 400 people giving $8,000. It's approximately what it is. You let God speak to you. Are you ready? We're going to receive a pretty intense message. And the only reason I can boldly look you in the face and tell you what we're doing is because it's with complete integrity. And I honestly believe that God has called us to do what we've done. We've come this far. We're going to move in to that place. I don't know what's happening with this building. We can't figure it out. Nobody wants to buy it. Whatever, make it a school. And by the way, we're starting a school. We will start a school. We just got to get in the building first. We get in the building, we will triple and quadruple. We need more children's workers. Some of you will find out about that. I need more youth workers. We need more people serving. Come on, it's the greatest day, the greatest harvest. Ushers, let's do this. Put those buckets equidistant across the front. Sing this with all of your heart. And then as soon as everybody gives this morning, and if you're not ready to give, I understand. So you, over the next 90 days, believe God to bring it in.
And I, I pray God does even more through me. I'm challenging you and I'm answering the call. I will never ask you to do something that my wife and I won't do. We're giving. What do you need, Pastor Kevin? Envelopes, please. I'm using an old-fashioned envelope this morning and a check. Would you help that beautiful lady out on the front row with an envelope? All right. If you need an envelope, go ahead and slip your hand up. We'll bring that to you. If you want to give electronically, you can. Holy Spirit. And I'm safe with you. I'm gonna make Lord, you are gonna do it. You already have. You've already done it. to say this. This is currently what we need and it's possible it could go higher. We need to finish. Lumber has gone up by 400%. Is that right? 400%. Some of you know you're builders. So you pray we're able to, and I believe that God's going to do all kinds of miracles. He's just looking for our yes. He had mine a long time ago and I know he has yours too. You ready? Let's sing it again and then we're going to give and then we'll pray. part of our blessing program for staff that after 20 years you get a car and uh, Pastor Kirsten just crossed over the 20 year mark a little bit ago well he just gave it he just gave 20 grand that goes to his new car he just gave it he matched me Pastor Kirsten God bless you God listen all that has to happen is that God would speak to you to do whatever he tells you to do then you do that and we all obey and then it's going to happen that's how that if it's five dollars that's the widow if it's the widow's might it's not about how much you give it's an issue of the heart that's what i could do might not be a much to you it's a lot for me maybe you could do the whole thing and if you can just write the check out we'll use the rest to finish the building we still have more to do once we get in i said we still have more to do once we get in this is to get occupancy so we can move in i know wow Hallelujah. Ushers, would you come and collect these buckets and stand right here? I want my pastors, Wally and Lauren, would you come please and stand here with us? Pastors and ministers, would you come? Just make a big old stack right here. John, would you take this stack and just stand here, right here in the middle with those? John, I think you might be our longest, uh, our longest standing usher. Pastors, ministers, come. Come right around, lay your hands on this thing. Reach your hands towards us. Come on, loaves and fishes. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice of your people. As it says in Romans, it's a reasonable thing we should do considering all that you've done for us. To be a living sacrifice, we release into your hands, into this project, that which you have been so gracious to give us. We count it as seed. 
And I pray that it would be multiplied even a hundredfold, not only to us individually, but to us corporately. I thank you. Put that, put that number back on. I want to make sure I got it right. I thank you for the 1,621,000. Come on, hurry up. 621,665 and 55 cents to date. I thank you for occupancy. I thank you, Lord, for favor with every single governmental agency and the fire department, everything we need. For the sake of the lost, not for our greed, not for our ego, for the lost, we need a facility to reach people, oh God. And it was finished with shouts of grace, grace. Shout to God in Jesus' name. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. What a great God we serve. He won't, he won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. Well, should have prayed that God would stop the clock. Serve Jesus with all your heart. If you're not right with him, give your heart to him today. Repent of your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Don't miss tonight, can be preaching, Pentecost, fire of the Holy Ghost, miracles, signs, wonders. Thank you, I wanna say thank you for your tenacity, for believing, for being a part of a company of committed people. We're gonna see a great harvest. If you believe that, say amen. Let me bless you, Father, thank you. Bless your people, cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, be gracious to us, keep us, and give us peace in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.